We're going to talk this morning uh, more about Isaiah 61, um, but I, there's one line I want to zero in on. Um, we, Isaiah 61, for those who are visiting or are new here, is very much a theme chapter for us. Um, it was a theme chapter for Jesus' own ministry, and because we are continuing his work and joining him in his ministry, we thought, you know, let's, uh, let's, let's make this, let's dive in and do a deep dive in, in, into this chapter. So this morning, we've already heard a testimony about restoration. We've heard a testimony about the Sozo ministry, and we're going to hear more about all of this kind of stuff and more about how the Lord brings healing to our broken places. Because here's the fact, we all got broken places. If you thought that you were in a place and everyone had it together, you're going to be disappointed in two seconds because we're a bunch of broke, we're all kind of a mess, um, and, uh, and we're in the process, hopefully, of restoration being rebuilt. And Isaiah 61 is all about rebuilding the community, rebuilding the, the ruins outside of ourselves and inside of ourselves. So we, we make a big deal about things like transparency and vulnerability here. Um, Pastor Joshua, I think, is, has, has laid a beautiful foundation for all of us um, of just being super open about what we're going through. And, and that, that's kind of the culture um, that, that we try to bring here. Um, that we can be honest because we're the body of Christ. So we should be able to be honest with one another and, and build one another up. But here's the thing. Transparency, if, it's, if the goal is transparency, uh, then we might get stuck in this place of like, look how broken I am. Yep. Pretty cool, huh? <laughs> you, know, like, hey, you know what I mean? And this is sort of a thing of like, you know, man, look at that anger issue, huh? That developed when I was 12 years old. <laughs> Still pretty cool. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's like it can get in a weird place and people actually become, they, we, people today can sentimentalize their dysfunction. I call it uniqueness. You know what I mean? Just the way that I am. That's just the way that I am. I tell things like it is and I don't care about what, it's like, come on. That's not our goal here. We see transparency and vulnerability as a means toward healing. Because you know, when you go to the doctor and he says, where does it hurt? You got to tell him where it hurts. And then he begins to work on that and bring healing. So that's what we're about here. That's what Isaiah 61, it's a big part of Isaiah 61. But here's the thing. Healing is not, uh, um, it, restoration, let me say it this way, restoration doesn't end with healing. Restoration begins with healing. That's the beginning. It's not the end. It's the beginning. So I want to talk here this morning about growing. How do we grow? You know, he's going to take these things that are broken inside us and make them better, but now we want to grow. We want to move forward. We want to become strong. And uh, there's one verse here that particularly shows this. So I'm just going to, I'm going to do a skim through 61 here. We're not going to read every verse. We're going to skim through it. Uh, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to comfort all who mourn, to give them a garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness. I was going to make that the title of my sermon this morning, but I thought Aaron Oaks would get a big head, so I decided to, I really was. It's not the reason I forget it. Okay, the planting of the Lord. Oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. They shall build upon the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastation of many generations. It was part of Jesus' mission and therefore it is our mission not just to see healing take place but to see growth take place. Are you with me? 
to see that those who are of a faint spirit can grow into oaks of righteousness. It'll look like this. The inconsistent person, that that person could become faithful. That the person who struggles with chronic doubt might become steadfast. That the, the, the ones who cower in sin would become powerful servants of Christ. That, that all of us would, be, would grow into fruitful disciples. That is what God is all about. That's what Christ is all about. Therefore, this is part of our mission. The phrase oaks of righteousness reminds me very much of the first psalm. Now, I've been all about the Psalms lately because we have a Psalms class on Wednesday and um, I don't know if anyone else is enjoying it, but I'm loving every minute of it because I get to dive and swim in the scripture and in this prayer book and, and, and the, the variety of, of emotion in this book. It's just this, this incredible sampling of, of the human condition and how we can welcome God into every single stage of that, whether it's fear, whether it's anger, whether it's uh, abandonment, whether it's joy, all of these things that we can bring them to him and he, he dives in. And the very first psalm is beautiful and it reminds me of this oaks of righteousness here. Here's how the book begins. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. We're gonna press pause there. Blessed is the man. Could be read as happy. Happy is the man. Happy is the man. Oh, the happiness, is what Eugene Peterson says. Oh, the happiness of the person who doesn't walk in the way of sinners. Oh, that person, that person is, he, that person's gonna be blessed. Like, there's good things happening there, and that person is gonna be glad they did this. And, and there's three levels of buy-in here that he says the blessed person doesn't do. Okay, the blessed person uh, does not walk in the council of the wicked, does not have casual agreement with the wicked, uh, uh, does not stand in the way of sinners, in other words, doesn't have tacit consent with sinners, okay, and finally, does not sit in the seat of scoffers. In other words, to be like, find identity there, right, and find like, this is where I belong, I'm sitting in the scoffer's seat, this is where I belong. Uh, Peterson says in the message, blessed are those who don't go to smart mouth college. <laughs> that's kind of good, isn't it? Blessed are those who don't go to smart mouth college. Now, as we're talking about scoffers in our Psalms class, I asked the group, what do you think of when you think of scoffers? Instantly the answer came, I think from two sources, instantly the answer came, social media. <laughs> like, yeah, me too. That's the first thing that came to my mind too. Scoffers, okay? Uh, social media, I'll, I'm going to add in cable news, internet news. Scoffers rule the digital landscape. They are, they are the top dogs all the way across uh, because they lead with sarcasm, snark, all of these things. Now, um, some description. When I think of scoffer, here's the kind of people I think of. Scoffers aren't careful with their information or with the words they use. They just... They just launch right out. They don't verify. They, 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 don't, they don't consider who might be hurt by what they're saying. They just launch right out. Scoffers don't listen to people who disagree with them. Scoffers want people to judge them by their intentions, but they judge everyone else by their behavior. That's a problem when that happens, isn't it? Scoffers justify their rudeness with phrases like, just saying. 
that's the word, that's the dumbest phrase in the language. I hate it so much. I want it to go away forever. Because it's like this disclaimer. It's like, let me say this, and then furthermore, blah, 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 blah. And also, you look like blah, 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 blah. And this is what I think of blah, blah, blah. Just saying. Like that just, like somehow just erases everything you said. I'm like, good, right? That's what scoffers do. That's what scoffers do. Now, when scoffers get big platforms, here's, you, you know it. Because when you're online, you'll see this. You'll, you'll see their face and you'll see the headline like, watch this guy eviscerate this other guy in this interview. Eviscerate, you know? Or lambast. Is that like all these big things, you like big words. Like, whoa, you click on it and you see an interview and he, he makes a valid point against somebody else. And like, whoa, you know, it's like, come on, stop it. Um, you know what I would love to see? I would love to see a headline be like, watch this, you know, watch this enlightening conversation between two people who legitimately care about one another and the issue. <laughs> I've never seen that. I've never seen that. But wouldn't that be cool to be able to see? But it's not. We don't see that today because scoffers rule the digital landscape. Now, David says, you are blessed in other words, you are more happy if you avoid this kind of thing. It will go better with you. It's not just, even the happiness thing isn't just like I feel more happy. It's like it will go better with you if you avoid this whole game. If you stay away from it. Don't go to Smart Mouth College. Don't hang out in the cafeteria. Don't date a girl from Smart Mouth College. You with me? <laughs> don't even just go to Smart Mouth basketball games. There are too many technicals anyway. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> so avoid it. But here's the problem. It's hard to avoid scoffing in this day and age. It's hard to avoid that. You know why? <laughs> the average adult today spends six hours dealing with digital media every day. Six hours. Okay? Now that includes all kinds of stuff. That includes email. That includes Netflix or YouTube. That includes Facebook and Twitter. That, it, it includes all kinds of stuff. But that's where we are. In other words, these things that we have and these other things like this. By the way, thank you, Pastor Joshua, for letting me use your cool iPad to read my notes off of this morning. Very nice. But these things, if you're not careful, that like they're, they're, there's so much scoffing all over this landscape that you get sucked right in. It's very, very difficult to avoid. But we're blessed if we avoid it. I'm not talking about digital addiction this morning, although that's a, that's a thing probably I think we need to talk about soon because it is a big deal. And I, I'm very serious about that. It is a really hard thing that we're going to have to deal with. We have to deal with this in our families. We have to deal with with ourselves because we just keep getting pulled more in that direction. And we have to recognize how difficult it is to become like Jesus with all of this around. So I'm not, I'm not specifically talking about that, though. I'm just saying our society is laced with this kind of negativity, with this kind of attitude, and we need to be proactive about pushing back against it. And here's how the psalmist, here's, here's the contrast the psalmist gives, okay? You've got smart mouth college up there, but here's the contrast. This person who's blessed, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. Isn't that a different picture? Now, if you're saying he meditates on the law day and night, don't picture someone in the lotus position practicing for the bar exam. It's not what we're talking about. 
Okay, what are we talking about? We're talking about somebody who ponders the things that God has spoken. When you see law here, think of the word of God. Think of the words of God. Think of the ways of God. Okay, he's thinking God thoughts. He's, he's this is the, this person, day and night, this is where his mind is drifting. It's drifting toward the things of the Lord. And, and he lets it drift there. He's chewing on things. That's what meditation, that's sort of what we're saying, right? Chewing, it's like you're, you're pondering. This is where your mind is going. If you let yourself do that, you will be blessed. You will become, he says, like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season. Its leaf doesn't wither. And now look at, the, look at the contrast here again. The wicked are not so, but they're like the chaff that the wind drives away. So instead of growing strong, instead of yielding fruit that you're supposed to yield, the ones who don't, who, who don't consider the ways of God, the ones who instead veg out on that other stuff, wither. The wind comes and it blows, it blows them away like chaff, which is really unfortunate. Now, why does it do that? Well, I think it's as simple as this, guys. Nourishment. When we feast on the words of God, when we spend time with God, when we read his word, when we speak to him and open our hearts for his voice, when we fellowship with the saints in that same way, all of this brings us nourishment. And when we, when we hang out in the Smart Mouth College cafeteria, there's no nourishment there. Therefore, we don't grow. We don't grow strong. Here's the way I think about it. Back when I was uh, 19, I was going to school in St. Paul, Minnesota, and I would, um, I would um, uh, commute from a little town every, every day. And I'll tell you, something about the afternoon when I'm driving makes me super sleepy. I could, yeah, I could drive at night, no problem, early in the morning. But afternoon, I get super sleepy. So I would, I would fuel up, and I would go to this little gas station called Holiday. It's a big Minnesota thing. And uh, I would get Doritos, like, like Salsa Verde Doritos, you know, or something like, really like so much flavor, like on one chip that probably, this is like, you can see it mounting on there, which is super healthy. And... Um, <laughs> And then I would think, okay, I need something to munch on, but I also need some caffeine. So, so I would get one of those gas station cappuccinos. You know? <laughs> there is nothing cappuccino about those drinks. You see it, and you've got like two things coming out, and I don't know what's in it. I don't think the FDA knows. I'm sure this is under investigation. But these like fluids coming down in there, and I'm sure it's like pure, it's like from a pixie stick, you know, like just like all sugar just popping in there and like straight caffeine. And then like they put some like hazelnut syrup in there or something. It's, uh, these concoctions are not good, um, but when you, when you need caffeine, you're like, yeah, this is what I want. And you're like, yeah, sweet, I'm gonna get one of those. They're so good, right? 45 minutes into my trip, I am dying. And I'm really wishing like I had not gotten those Doritos and, and that fake cappuccino. I'm feeling like, oh gosh, like, huh, what is this? <laughs> you know, my hands are all like, I want to wash them. Like, do I lick them? No, it's all the steering wheel and like, it's some water to put them on. Like, everything about me, <laughs> you know, I'm like, like Lady Macbeth walking around like, ha, ah, ah. <laughs> So, <laughs> that's what I feel like, right? Because all of those things don't actually bring nourishment, do they? Like, it's a thing that you really want in the moment, 
You know, it's like, this is, is, yeah, this is what I want. But it doesn't actually nourish you. And when I think of the scoffers and when I think of the nonsense we see on social media and cable news of all stripes, that's what I think of. This is the thing I really want right now. I want to see what this guy, this pundit I like, said about this pundit I don't like. And this is going to be great. Like, oh, I heard they're feuding. Awesome. Look at that. They've got 60,000 retweets on this thing. Yeah, and you jump in there, and it's like, I want a, I want a Dorito. <laughs> it's like the same thing, you know? Like, does that nourish you in any way? No. Does it even help for you to be informed and all that? Probably not. Frankly, we have way too high an opinion on the short news cycles now. Like, oh, I've got to know. Do you really? Do we really dig? Do we have to know about every little feud that's going on? Oh, you have to have an opinion on this thing. Didn't you hear what happened? Everybody's talking about it. And then we just get sucked in on these things. It's all chips. It's all fake cappuccino. Oh, and it makes you feel jittery and gross. <laughs> Whew. Okay. Sorry. I should slow down. This is what they say. Some... I know, maybe that's... <laughs> okay, here's what I want to say. You can stay alive off a diet of Fox News and Facebook, but you're not going to thrive. Woo! Okay, equal opportunity toe-stepping here. You can also survive off Instagram, Twitter, and MSNBC, but you will not thrive. You will not grow strong. I don't care what political persuasion you are. I'm not addressing that whatsoever. But I'm telling you, it is no substitute for the nourishment of the word of God. <laughs> See, when you clap, you're going to encourage me to go faster. And I actually need to rein in. So everybody, shh. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Okay. So, David... Let's, let's look at what, how David did this. David knew that he needed this. He knew he needed to be planted by these springs because his whole life was madness, right? He had all this stuff going on. Here's one of the things he said. This is from Psalm chapter 63. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in your sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory. This is a very desperate time for David when he's saying in a dry and weary land where there is no water, that's not metaphor. He's actually running through the wilderness. This is one of the rare things when we, <clears throat> the title of the psalm tells us his situation. He's running in the wilderness either from Absalom or King Saul. He's running for his life. And there's literally like, this is a dry place, there's no water and he's thirsting so bad. They're probably rationing and just having little gulps a day or something like that. And he's thinking about his own lack of water and his own thirst and his own hunger. And you know what he's doing? He's putting it on God. He's saying, yes, Lord, I thirst after you. I hunger after you. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory. But guess what? What's he talking about? There is no sanctuary. He doesn't have this room with him. This is what we call our sanctuary. He doesn't have like a group that worships. and He doesn't have a place like that. His synagogues haven't certainly been invented yet. The temple hasn't even been built yet. He has a tabernacle back in Jerusalem, but he's an exile. He's a king on the run. So where's his sanctuary? Well, he tells us, I remember you upon my bed, and I meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. He didn't have a sanctuary around him, so he built one. He built one on his bed. He built one in the night watches. He pursued peace. He pursued quiet for his own soul. He had to go out and get it. You see what I'm saying? 
He made a place for God. I don't have, I don't have a location, but I'm still going to make a place for God. So as I'm sitting up in my bed, I am going to force myself to remember the goodness of God, just as if I'm, in, as if I'm celebrating with all of his people. I will not let my mind dwell on the dangers around me that are so apparent or even on my own thirst. I instead will turn my heart and my mind to you and I will let myself meditate on your goodness. That's what David's doing. That was his sanctuary. Jesus did the same thing, you know. Over and over again we see him escaping the crowds, even escaping this incredible ministry and all these people coming for healing and he, he has to slip away. You know why he has to slip away? Because he's got to go to the sanctuary. He's got to go be with his father. So he looks for it in the quiet places. He goes outside and he walks in the wilderness and it's only him and God up there. Ain't no scoffers around. It's just him and God. There's no noise. He can be alone with him. He can pour out his heart to him. And if David needed that, and if Jesus needed that, I'm pretty sure we need that too. And this has a transforming effect on us when we do this, just like it did with David. Can I do another psalm here? Here's another one. Psalm 77. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up compassion? What big, serious, gut-wrenching questions he's asking. He's in desolate times and he's saying, have you forgot about me? Is this all there, like is this it? Because I thought you were good, is this it? That's where he starts. Look what he does, he pivots. Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will appeal to my years spent with him. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O oh God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might from among the peoples. And from there, he launches into a memory of God's goodness for Israel. He starts out so desolate and feeling so hopeless and left. But then he, he looks in and he remembers the things that God has done. That only happens in the sanctuary. When we go to the sanctuary, we regain perspective. We remember what he's done and we remember the things he's promised to do. One big problem we have in the, in the digital age is immediacy. Everything's about right now. It's about right in this moment. Everything's about what this person said and what do you think right now. Everything changes and changes and changes so quickly that if you want to stay in the know, you've got to be on all the time. You've got to be responding to everything. What do you think about this? Well, I don't know. Well, you've got to know. You feel like you have to have an opinion on everything. That's, that's part of the digital world. But you know, that doesn't exist in the sanctuary. You see, because our God was and is and is to come. And sometimes when I go to the sanctuary, I'm not feeling the goodness of God in the present. Anybody else gonna be honest and say that? Okay, there are times when I go, I can't feel the goodness of God right now. This is really hard. 
This thing suddenly is really hard. So what do I do, Lord? Because I don't feel it right now. And I could get, just get locked up in the immediacy of the distractions of all these other things. Or I could stay here. This kind of hurts to stay here. But here's the thing. Our God doesn't just exist now. He also exists. He did many things in the past and he's promised to do many things in the future. So sometimes we have to do like the psalmist and say, I can't see your goodness right now, Lord. I can't. This is so thick. This is so dark. This is scary. But I remember that you were with me back here. I remember, Lord, that you were with me. And I've had to do this so many times, guys. I do this like, Lord, I remember in Sam's surgery, we did not know what we, to expect there. We didn't know if, if, if he would live to, to be able to, to run. We didn't know any of these things, Lord, but you had mercy on us and you came through there and you even looked over my heart and watched over me in that time. Lord, you were present. I remember that. I remember your goodness. Lord, I remember times that seemed so bleak. We were dealing with Jack and I didn't know what to do, but Lord, you breathed on my heart and you made connections that we didn't ever think we'd make. And Lord, you have done great healing in my heart and in my family. You're good, Lord. Even if I don't see it right now, I know you are. And sometimes even that gets all colored. You know, you're like, ah, oh, you did that, but I can't, even, I can't even think. So you know what we need to do? We go, Lord, I remember that your kingdom is eternal and I remember that you're a good and righteous and just God and in the end, all things will be made right. So I don't know what's going on right now. I don't know what this fight that we're in is all about right now. I don't see your goodness here and I can't even hardly remember because it's been a long time, but I do know that you are the king of heaven. And all the injustice will be set to right. All the suffering that we've endured here will be redeemed. And there will be no cancer in heaven. Let me say that again. There will be no cancer in heaven. That one day that's going to happen. So maybe if that's all I can latch on to right in this moment, that's what I'm going to latch on to. And that's what we find in the sanctuary. We find a God who is not, he is not, confined to a timeline. He was, he is, and he is to come. We find him in the sanctuary. Where is your sanctuary? Because here's the thing, we need a plan to shut out the noise, you know? Sometimes we have to manufacture quietness. Maybe there's a room in your house where it's quiet. Maybe there's a bench in the backyard. It doesn't matter where. It just matters that we have one and that we seek that out. Because as Joshua said so many times, all of this is a process. Healing is a process. Growth is a process. We don't find it immediately. And it's not something that usually that God just goes, boop. Okay, oh, now we find intimacy with him. Good. No, we actually have to seek it out. And this is not works righteousness, guys, but the relationship is like this. It's give and take. We step toward him. He, he does a whole lot more than we do in this relationship. But we have to take steps to seek those things out. And what I'm telling you is that sometimes you have to manufacture quietness. You have to make it happen. This is extremely difficult for parents of small children, I know. I'm very serious, like, especially moms of small kids. God bless you. I remember my poor wife. She's like, I just, I just want to pray. The only place I can pray is in the bathroom. Like, <laughs> like, 
you know, that kind of thing. And sometimes not even that, because they fall in, you know, like I understand. Like people are in different places, sometimes it's very difficult. But, but most of us, the fact is, the fact is, and guys, no condemnation here, please hear me, no condemnation. But the fact is, that statistic about six hours of digital consumption, we can find time for a lot of different things and I think sometimes the Lord's going, calling out to us, going, look, I'm offering you a meal here, not chips and fake cappuccino. <laughs> come and feast. And I think that's his invitation to us today. Come and feast. You don't have to get caught up in these momentary things. You don't. Come and feast. Come and feast. My sanctuary is the streets of Junction City. I've seen a lot of you. You always drive by and honk at me. Most of the time, I don't know who you are because your car just drives by quickly. Hey! I, I love putting on my headphones and just going and walking. And sometimes I'm listening to scripture. Sometimes I'm not listening to anything at all. And I forget him. Sometimes I worship music. Sometimes I'm just out, just speaking to him, singing to him, just talking to him. And that is a place where he meets me. And I know, in fact, this, this has been happening more recently. I'm just like so troubled and I'm so irritated. Maybe I'm irritated with somebody in the family or whatever it is. And something feels like a really big deal. And I just feel this call, Psst, come away, come away, come away. So I put my coat on, I put my headphones on, and I just start walking. Lord, something's wrong. <sighs> I just need to breathe in the peace of the sanctuary. And by the time I come back, I'm like a new man, you know? This is what, this is the way it's supposed to be, you know? I mean, nothing's, I'm not saying everything's a quick fix, but this is the way, this is what we're designed for. When you eat a good meal, you feel better. <laughs> and when you eat lots of good meals, you grow. <laughs> this is how we rebuild our cities, guys. By bringing Jesus' spirit into the mess of the ruins. Right, there's, there's a, a, a a great scene in Acts chapter four. Um, this is just fantastic. Peter and John, they've just, Pentecost has just broken out. You've got all these people that have met Jesus and this crazy stuff going on. And then you've got Peter and John walking through the temple and there's this guy who's been lame for years and years and he's, he's right there and he's begging. And, and everyone knows this guy, you know, that he's just been doing it for, forever. Um, he, he, in fact, I wonder if he saw Jesus and tried to get his attention sometime, you know? It's just interesting to think. Um, but here he is, and he says, uh, he's crying out for money. And Peter and John say, we don't have any money, but we have this. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the man, as the song goes, goes walking and leaping and praising God. And everyone sees this and like, oh my goodness. And, and, and then thousands of people come to meet Jesus. Right there in the temple. This is, not, <laughs> this is like raising all kinds of chaos here. They thought they had just done away with Jesus. Like, it was like a matter of weeks earlier. The high priest thought he had done away with Jesus, and here Jesus is breaking out again. And so they, they arrest Peter and John, and they bring them in, and they bring them before the council, and all these super intimidated men in white robes, and they're like, What do you do? And he's like, Well, hey, it wasn't us, it was Jesus Christ who you crucified that made this man better. And then he goes on to preach this powerful sermon standing in front of the Sanhedrin and the high priests, and they go, Oh no, their hearts sink. You know why their hearts sink? Because they thought it was over. They thought if they killed a shepherd, then everyone scatters, but they find out they were wrong. And this is what happens. Now, they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men. They were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. 
Oh no, it's some of those Jesus guys who aren't afraid. Some of those Jesus guys with boldness. Oh no, here we go again. Do you know that's what the ruined cities need? They need the spirit of Jesus. They need to see that in us. They need to, I, I, guys, this is what I want. I want people to say of me, ah, oh, there's that guy. I recognize him. He's been with Jesus. Let that be said of us. Let that be said of us. Those are people who spend time in the sanctuary eating the words of God, feasting on his goodness. Here's my challenge to you. And I understand I'm preaching to the choir in some respects because all of us know how important it is to spend time with Jesus. But I also know this. Sometimes it's really hard. And sometimes people just sort of assume that you spend lots of time with Jesus. And so it's like fly under the radar and we're really trying to, but we start again. We're like, oh, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna have like a, a New Year's resolution. I'm gonna read the Bible every day. I'm gonna spend time in prayer. And then like it goes really well for the first three days. And then it's like, oh shoot, something happened. And now I'm like way off and I completely lost it. And I don't spend time with Jesus. And I feel frantic. I feel running from this thing to that thing and social media and all these things and I feel like jittery and all these. Guys, I've been there. I promise you I've been there. So here's my challenge to you. Some of you guys really want this. And I want to ask you to ask again. To ask again. I'm going to pray something over you. Can I have the, 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 the elders and the, the prayer team come forward? Uh, yeah, I'm going to pray a thing over you. Lord, I pray that everyone in here Lord, who, who has a desire to want to be with you, I pray that you would give them the desire to be, give them the hunger and the thirst for your presence that they really want. That appetite that they want to build, I pray, Lord, that you would, that you would build that in them. Because right now they just want to have that appetite. Would you give them the appetite? Would you give them the desire, Lord, to spend time with you, to find peace, to find your goodness again in your presence? Can you guys stand with me?